Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 1st of April 2020 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Now, you don't need me to tell you that Hong Kong, along with the rest of the world, has been going through a lot lately. Hang in there, everyone. Do your best. Keep your cool. And when you need some time out, stop and listen to a story. Today, we have a story recorded in the studio due to some recording issues at the show. Madeline will tell us about learning about a person close to her. And since we cannot travel at the moment, we thought we'd introduce you to a district of Hong Kong called Kun Tong, as described by Nicole at our experimental show in 2019. Before we get to today's stories, though, a warm thanks go out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. We appreciate all the time you spend with us. Thanks go out to our overseas listeners as well. This week, especially listeners in Baghdad and Iraq, Beirut in Lebanon, and Charleroi in Belgium. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. We aren't entirely sure what's happening with the live performances in the next few months, but we are accepting pitches for upcoming shows through online meetups. Find details on the website hongkongstories.com. We've been missing our weekly workshops recently, and we've been asking for three to five sentence stories on our Facebook page, and we've got some really good ones. I look forward to sharing some with you in the future. If you want to join in, go to our Facebook page through the link in the website or on Facebook through Hong Kong Stories page. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. And now with a re-recorded story first told in the September 2019 show with the theme of Flipped, here in the studio is Madeline. In South Africa, Afrikaner women are strong, very loyal and capable. And what is important to them is children, kitchen and church. My mother is Dutch and I knew at a very young age that she was different. She had a full-time job, not something we ever admitted. But she was also um, whimsical, rather dreamy. Well, aloof, really. She read book after book, and it often meant there was no cooked meal for us to come home to. But I loved her fiercely. I love my stern, typical Afrikaner father, too. He taught me the values I live by. But it was my mother that was my big love. And then she left. One day after school, I was in grade four. Our domestic worker told me that my mother came home at lunchtime, packed a suitcase and left. The turmoil it caused my family was dramatic. My father, because of his strict upbringing, was very bad at expressing feelings. One of the reasons, I suppose, my mother fell in love with somebody else. Yet he totally fell apart. I was the youngest of three girls, and the brunt of my father's terrible depression were mostly carried by my older sisters. But I was very aware of how I not only lost a mother, but also the image 
of a strong, unbreakable father. My mother didn't completely disappear from our lives. We saw her often. Nothing of what you see on American TV with weekends and holidays neatly negotiated and packaged by lawyers. But I saw her when I could, behind my father's back. I couldn't bear his disappointment. My mother gave me money for drama lessons and bought us expensive Christmas presents. I met and hated her new husband, and I loved her even more. I never once blamed her. My older sister threw things around, slammed doors, turned the music on full blast and started smoking. My middle sister became the mother. For the first time ever, there was always cooked meals. She packed our lunches and kissed my knee when I fell out of a tree. How do I explain my total lack of anger? I think I was so traumatized by my mother's betrayal that I coped by keeping her as close to me as possible. I was so scared she would leave me again that I did everything possible to please her. And then, after 20 years, my mother's husband died unexpectedly. My mother fell apart and she reached out to me for the first time. She needed me and I said, fuck no, often of words and deeds. It was as if Pandora's box was opened and all the anger and hate and hurt that I was not even aware I felt came tumbling out. I rejected her time and time again. I stopped phoning her and was cold and distanced when she phoned me. That's putting it mildly. I was mean and cruel. My poor whimsical mother, who had lost the love of her life, thought she could always rely on me. She couldn't. I made a cry more than once. I don't know how long this would have lasted, but it became the way we interacted. But let me tell you, the way I behaved affected me more than my mother's leaving did. Then, about... Ten years later, I was about 24, I went to Europe for three months. I had very little money and accepted everybody's help. A friend knew somebody in Stuttgart, another friend gave me a dress in Brooks, and my mother carefully suggested her aunt in Groningen, Holland. My Dutch great-aunt was magnificent, 86 whimsical and funny, and reluctantly and slowly, I started to remember my mother again. Then one night, we just ate some pea soup and was playing rummy. She wiped the floor with me. And then she turned to me and told me this story. Shortly after the Second World War, one day, my mother, then six, and her mother found amongst all the ration good in the market some oranges. My grandmother was very happy and used God knows how many food stamps to buy just one. And then there, in front of my mother, she peeled it and ate every last bite of it herself, sucking the juice from her fingers. She later explained that my mother didn't know oranges and therefore didn't know what she was missing. My great aunt told me more stories like this one. She wanted me to understand that her sister, my grandmother, who I've never met, was not very good at loving. So my mother had never learned how to love.
from her mother. For the first time I understood that my mother had her own pain to deal with. Before then she was never a person to me, not when I put her on a pedestal and not when I totally demonized her. Before this, she was my mother, just that. And therefore, as a child, I only saw in terms of my needs. Seeing her as a human being who had her own life story and her own path, well, forgive me for sounding dramatic, but it set me free. That was many years ago, but the road back to my mother wasn't an easy one, isn't an easy one. Mostly because she is so shit scared of me. I don't think it will be completely healed, but I do what I can. I cook when I go to visit her. Without bitching about it, she hates cooking and I love it, so it's easy. I take her books to read, and she gave me her old favorite books. We sit together for hours, reading together. And when I tell her stories, I try and keep it short. She drifts off when it goes on for too long. Honestly, her attention span is one minute. But she's informed and interesting. My mother is interesting. And sometimes, when I look in the mirror, I see her. Not the honest, straight, fierce part of me, that's all my father. But when I get lost in a good book, when I can see the other side of an argument, and when I can laugh without pretense, that's when I see her. And remember that I love her. I can assure you that Madeline, too, is an informed and interesting person. We are so pleased that we could catch this story again in the studio and share it with you. Our second story today is from Nicole, who painted this picture of one of our oldest districts in Hong Kong. Now, this isn't a typical single-story thread, as we usually tell, but actually three parts which were told at our experimental show in 2019. Here is Nicole. So I recently started a new job returning me to where I grew up, Kuntan in East Kowloon. The, the, the staff turnover at the new place is so high that I pretty much sign a farewell card every week. <laughs> and one of the most common phrases I came across from these cards is, Congratulations, you don't have to come to Gunton anymore. <laughs> Maybe because I grew up there, I do find that phrase a bit unsettling and couldn't help thinking if Gunton is really that bad. Yes, Gunton can appear to, appear to be a shabby, old, and uncharted area. This is an old neighborhood with industrial buildings compressed right alongside residential. And there are a lot of dark, filthy, and narrow alleys with small businesses. But this uncharted area is actually quite connected. It is where the first MTR line was opened. And since it's the second poorest district in Hong Kong, it means that you can find good deals here. A bowl of noodles would cost half of what you pay for in Central. I remember my mom used to take me to this back alley outdoor barber shop when I was only four or five. It charged so little that my mom would get me an ice cream at McDonald's afterwards. There was also this book lending place that my sister and 
locals would go for daily cheap rental of novels, which are stacked on mobile shelves that are pulled out into the alley. And they are cheap. Aside from that, it is a it is like a local community. There was always been a strong sense of neighborhood in the area. McDonald's, which we call Lomat, Omac, is like a community center. It is where we hang out, and the reason is because we can hang out there as long as we want it without being kicked out. People did homework, group projects there, some held business meetings there, and some even dated there. Vibrant and interesting, Old Guntan was like that. Old Guntan is struggling with a major redevelopment project、um, kicking in. There some interesting areas of、uh, some interesting areas have been wiped out. Some have been some businesses are still hanging on, and some have been replaced. The Noodle store, the noodle store, the、um, the book lending place, and majority of the illegal stores are、uh, have been cleared out to make room to the new development. The、um, the outdoor barber shop that my mom took me to is at the outskirts of the the redevelopment area. is surviving. I was glad that the other day when I walked past it, I still see customers lying on those bolted in old fashioned barber chairs, having their beard shaved. The McDonald's. Was replaced it with a new one right across the street, but it's not the same. The new one is inside a shopping mall, and it's only a third of the place of, of the space of the old Mac. So there are never enough seats. Instead of doing the many things it used to do, it only does one. People get food and go. So far, the new Guntan doesn't look like hanging out, while the old Guntan is disappearing. I miss all that, but not all changes are bad. I guess with、uh, with most of the factory work moved to China, the、um, the ex spacious the, sorry the spacious ex factory buildings become homes to many creative ideas and experiments. There is a brewery, art galleries, an indoor rock climbing spot, and even an indoor fishing pond in Guntan now. The old、um, recycling depot is also revamped as a public promenade with art installations. So I don't take it personally. I can see why my colleagues are disgruntled from many angles, with sh- with shops closing and old buildings to be demolished. The area looks like it's dying right now. It's not reviving. But I hope that they can hold their judgment. Guntan is in between right now. They don't know what it will be, and they definitely have no idea what it was. Thanks for listening to today's stories, brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.